there, and welcome, welcome to the music of Star Wars. In this podcast, I'm going to be exploring the scores from the various composers, but mostly John Williams, that have brought this galaxy far, far away to life. If you listen to my other show, Music of Middle-Earth, then you know that what I do is look at these themes through the lens of the writing that it originally comes from, and we try to see how the books are reflected in the music. Now, the Star Wars universe is slightly different, obviously, as we don't have books that they've originally come from. So the main thing I would like to do with this podcast is look at it through the lens of the hero's journey. The hero's journey, or the monomyth, is the common template of stories that involve a hero who goes on an adventure, is victorious in a decisive crisis, and comes home changed or transformed, which is, of course, the template that George Lucas used to create this excellent story. So what we're going to do is we're going to follow Luke along his hero's journey and then bring that back to the music and see how we can see elements of that journey in the music. So every episode we will have a segment from Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces where we will learn about the hero's journey and then we will check out the moment in each script from episodes 4, 5, and 6 when this part of the journey occurs. Then we'll have a mid-mark segment where I'll be sharing some of the other pieces of music from the score that are also highlighting this moment in the hero's journey, but they won't be our focus for the episode, just kind of extra flavor to add to the moment. And then we will get into the real meat of the episode where we analyze the score a little bit and see how it all relates back to the readings that we did. Now, most of the music that you'll hear in this podcast will be recreated by myself. Sometimes there will be scenarios where I have to play the original from the soundtrack, but I'll be doing my best to avoid that. And the mid-mark segments will be the exception to that. Those I will just be taking from the original soundtrack since we're just giving them a listen. We're not actually analyzing those ones. So without further ado, let's check out the one and only Force theme, primarily known as Binary Sunset. to start off this adventure that has shaped so many of our childhoods, whether you started back in the 70s, or maybe you started with the prequels like I did, or even the sequels for the new generation. So as we start looking at the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell has it split into three main sections, if you will. The first section is departure, the second is initiation, and the third is return. So there are smaller steps along these sections, but we'll get to those more as we go. So I want to start off by just naming them all so that we know what we're in for. So in the departure, we have the call to adventure, refusal of the call, supernatural aid, the crossing of the first threshold, and the belly of the whale. Next, in the initiation, we have the road of trials, the meeting with the goddess, woman as the temptress, atonement with the father, apotheosis, and the ultimate boon. And finally, we have the return, refusal of the return, the magic flight, rescue from without, the crossing of the return threshold, master of two worlds, 
and freedom to live. All right, so obviously, even just reading those out loud, we can maybe see right off the bat that some of them George either altered slightly or just left out elements on Luke's journey. But I think we can do our best to get as many of those into Luke's story as possible. In those Midmark segments, I'll also be showing how other moments from the other two trilogies outline these same moments in those trilogies. The other six movies don't necessarily follow this trajectory as much. There are still elements of the monomyth throughout, though, so I would love to include some of that as we go. All right, so with all of that said, and to set the stage, we're going to start things off with the call to adventure. And so let's take a look at how these moments happen across the original trilogy movies. I'll start with this summary from the audiobook for Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces. 1. The Call to Adventure This first stage of the mythological journey, which we have designated The Call to Adventure, signifies that destiny has summoned the hero and transferred his spiritual center of gravity from within the pale of his society to a zone unknown. This fateful region of both treasure and danger may be variously represented as a distant land, a forest, a kingdom underground, beneath the waves or above the sky, a secret island, lofty mountaintop, or profound dream state. But it is always a place of strangely fluid and polymorphous beings, unimaginable torments, superhuman deeds, and impossible delight. The hero can go forth of his own volition to accomplish the adventure, as did Theseus when he arrived in his father's city Athens and heard the horrible history of the Minotaur. Or he may be carried or sent abroad by some benign or malignant agent, as was Odysseus, driven about the Mediterranean by the winds of the angered god Poseidon. The adventure may begin as a mere blunder, as did that of the princess of the fairy tale, or still again one may be only casually strolling, when some passing phenomenon catches the wandering eye and lures one away from the frequented paths of man. Examples might be multiplied ad infinitum from every corner of the world. All right, there we go. The stage is set. Now we are going to jump into some readings from our listeners. We start with A New Hope, when Luke receives his call to adventure in the form of Leia's plea for help. Interior, Lars Homestead, garage area, late afternoon. The garage is cluttered and worn, but a friendly, peaceful atmosphere permeates the low gray chamber. 3PO lowers himself into a large tub filled with warm oil. Near the battered land speeder, little R2 rests on a large battery with a cord to his face. Think the maker. This oil bath is going to feel so good. I've got such a bad case of dust contamination, I can barely move. R2 beats a muffled reply. Luke seems to be lost in thought as he runs his hand over the damaged fin of a small two-man skyhopper spaceship resting in a low hangar off the garage. Finally, Luke's frustrations get the better of him, and he slams a wrench across the workbench. It just isn't fair. Oh, Biggs is right. I'm never going to get out of here. Is there anything I might do to help? Luke glances at the battered robot. A bit of his anger drains, and a tiny smile creeps across his face. 
Well, not unless you can alter time, speed up the harvest, or teleport me off this rock. I don't think so, sir. I'm only a droid and not very knowledgeable about such things. Not on this planet, anyways. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure of which planet I'm on. Well, if there's a bright center to the universe, you're on the planet that it's farthest from. I see, sir. Uh, you can call me Luke. I see, sir, Luke. <laughs> Just Luke. And I am C-3PO, Human Cyborg Relations, and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. Hello. R2 beeps in response. Luke unplugs R2 and begins to scrape several connectors on the robot's head with a chrome pick. 3PO climbs out of the oil tub and begins wiping oil from his bronze body. Got a lot of carbon scoring here. Looks like you boys have seen a lot of action. With all we've been through, sometimes I'm amazed we're in as good a condition as we are. What with the rebellion and all? You know of the rebellion against the Empire? That's how we came to be in your service, if you take my meaning, sir. Have you been in many battles? Several, I think. Actually, there's not much to tell. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. Well, not at making them interesting, anyways. Luke struggles to remove a small metal fragment from R2's neck joint. He uses a larger pick. Well, my little friend, you've got something jammed in here real good. Were you on a cruiser, or...? The fragment breaks loose with a snap, sending Luke tumbling head over heels. He sits up and sees a 12-inch, three-dimensional hologram of Leia Organa, the rebel senator, being projected from the face of little R2. The image is a rainbow of colors as it flickers and jiggles in the dimly lit garage. Luke's mouth hangs open in awe. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. What's this? R2 looks around and sheepishly beeps an answer for 3PO to translate. Leia continues to repeat the sentence fragment over and over. What is what? He asked you a question, pointing to Leia. What is that? R2 whistles his surprise as he pretends to just notice the hologram. He looks around and sheepishly beeps an answer for 3PO to translate. Leia continues to repeat the sentence fragment over and over. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Oh, he says it's nothing, sir. Merely a malfunction. Old data. Pay it no mind. Luke becomes intrigued by the beautiful girl. Who is she? She's beautiful. I'm afraid I'm not quite sure, sir. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think she was a passenger on our last voyage. A person of some importance, sir. I believe our captain was attached to. Is there more to this recording? Luke reaches out for R2, but he lets out several frantic squeaks and a whistle. Behave yourself, R2. You're going to get us in trouble. It's all right. You can trust him. He's our new master. R2 whistles and beeps a long message to 3PO. He says he's the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a resident of these parts, and it's a private message for him. Quite frankly, sir, I don't know what he's talking about. Our last master was Captain Antilles, but with what we've been through, this little R2 unit has become a bit eccentric. Obi-Wan Kenobi? I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. I beg your pardon, sir, but do you know what he's talking about? Well, I don't know anyone named Obi-Wan, but old Ben lives out beyond the dune scene. He's kind of a strange old hermit. 
Luke gazes at the beautiful young princess for a few moments. I wonder who she is. It sounds like she's in trouble. I better play back the whole thing. R2 beeps something to 3PO. He says the restraining bolt has short-circuited his recording system. He suggests that if you remove the bolt, he might be able to play back the entire recording. Luke looks longingly at the lovely little princess and hasn't really heard what 3PO has been saying. Hmm, oh yeah, well, I guess you're too small to run away on me if I take this off. Okay. Luke takes a wedged bar and pops the restraining bolt off R2's side. There you go. The princess immediately disappears. Well, wait a minute. Where'd she go? Bring her back. Play back the entire message. R2 beeps an innocent reply as 3PO sits up in embarrassment. What message? The one you're carrying inside your rusty innards. A woman's voice calls out from another room. Luke! Luke! Come to dinner! Luke stands up and shakes his head at the malfunctioning robot. All right. I'll be right there, Aunt Beru. I'm sorry, sir, but he appears to have picked up a slight flutter. Luke tosses R2's restraining bolt on the workbench and hurries out of the room. Well, see what you can do with him. I'll be right back. Just you reconsider playing that message for him. R2 beeps in response. No, I don't think he likes you at all. R2 beeps. No, I don't like you either. All right, the adventure has called Luke. Now, in Empire Strikes Back, this call to adventure is when Luke is injured by the Wampa, and Obi-Wan Kenobi tells him to seek out Yoda. Luke lies, face down in the snow, nearly unconscious. Slowly, he looks up and sees Ben Kenobi, barely visible through the blowing snow. It's hard to tell if Kenobi is real or a hallucination. Luke... Luke, Ben, you will go to the Dagobah system. Dagobah system? There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. The image of Ben fades, revealing a lone Tauntaun rider approaching from the windswept horizon. Ben, Ben. Luke drops into unconsciousness. Han pulls up and leaps off his mount. He hurries to his snow-covered friend, cradling him in his arms. Han's tauntaun lets out a low, pitiful bellow. But Han's concern is with Luke, and he shakes him urgently. Luke! Luke! Don't do this to me, Luke! Come on, give me a sign here! Luke doesn't respond. Han begins frantically rubbing and slapping Luke's unconscious face. As he starts to lift the youth, Han hears a rasping sound behind him. He turns, just in time to see his tauntaun stagger and then fall over into the snow. Han carries Luke to the moaning beast. Then, with a final groan, the tauntaun expires. Not much time. He pushes Luke's inert form against the belly of the dead beast. Ben. Ben. Hang on, kid. Dagobah system. Han ignites Luke's saber and cuts the beast from head to toe. He quickly tosses its steaming innards into the snow, then lifts Luke's inert form and stuffs him inside the carcass. Whew. Dagobah. 
This may smell bad, kid. Yoda. But it will keep you warm till I get the shelter built. Oh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. The wind has picked up considerably, making it difficult to move. Han removes a pack from the dead creature's back, taking out a shelter container. He begins to set up what can only be a pitiful protection against a bitter hoth night. All right, excellent. And finally, we get the moment in Return of the Jedi where Yoda gives Luke a clear call to adventure. If he wants to be a full-fledged Jedi, he has to confront Lord Vader. Once again, R2 finds himself waiting around in the damp environs of the swamp planet, and he's none too happy about it. He beeps disconsolately to himself and turns to look at Yoda's cottage. Warm yellow light escapes the oddly shaped windows to fight the gloom. The tip of a walking stick taps hesitantly across the earthen floor of the cottage. Our view travels up the stick to the small green hand that clutches it, and then to the familiar face of Yoda, the Jedi Master. His manner is frail, and his voice, though cheerful, seems weaker. Hmm. That face you make. Look I so old to young eyes, hmm? Luke is sitting in the corner of the cramped space, and indeed, his look has been woeful. Caught, he tries to hide it. No, of course not. I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Sick I have become. Old and weak. When nine hundred years old you reach, look as good you will not. Yes, forever sleep. Earned it, I have. <laughs> Yoda sits himself on his bed with great effort. Master Yoda, you can't die. Strong I am with the Force, but not that strong. <laughs> Twilight is upon me, and soon night must fall. That is the way of things, the way of the Force. But I need your help. I've come back to complete the training. No more training do you require. Already know that which you need. Yoda sighs and lies back on his bed. Then I am a Jedi. Oh, not yet. One thing remains. Vader. You must confront Vader. Then... Only then, a Jedi will you be, and confront him you will. Luke is in agony. He is silent for a long moment, screwing up his courage. Finally, he is able to ask. Master Yoda, is Darth Vader my father? Yoda's eyes are full of weariness and compassion. An odd, sad smile creases his face. He turns painfully on his side, away from Luke. Mm -hmm. Rest, I need. Yes, rest. Luke watches him, each moment an eternity. Yoda, I must know. 
your father he is luke reacts as if cut told you did he yes a new look of concern crosses yoda's face he closes his eyes unexpected disease and unfortunate unfortunate that i know the truth yoda opens his eyes again and studies the youth <clears throat> no unfortunate that you rushed to face him that incomplete was your training not ready for the burden were you well i'm sorry remember a jedi strength flows from the force but beware anger fear aggression the dark side are they once you start down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny he beckons a young jedi closer to him luke luke do not do not underestimate the powers of the emperor or suffer your father's fate you will luke when gone am i <laughs> the last of the jedi will you be luke the force runs strong in your family pass on what you have learned luke there is another sky sky walker he catches his breath a shiver runs through the ancient green creature and he dies luke stares at his dead master as he disappears in front of his eyes all right thank you so much to our readers for today if you're interested in being a part of future readings for this podcast then head over to the facebook group podcast immersed where you can get a chance to add your name to one of the scenes coming up now let's head over to our midmark segment and hear some of the music that also is inspiring the call to adventure from the other trilogies <laughs> to talk about in this episode but i want to give you a chance to listen to the two other themes that i think really capture this moment of the call to adventure and i chose one piece of music from the prequel trilogy and one from the sequel trilogy so we're just going to keep that sense of the call to adventure in mind even if we're still thinking just of luke and see how these pieces of music bring that idea to life so let's have a listen to anakin's theme and ray's theme enjoy
right time to dive into the binary sunset. Let's have another listen to it. So much to love about this piece of music. So let's start things off with the instrumentation. We start off with this very, very simple flute and harp piece at the very beginning, which is almost easy to forget even happens, but it sets the stage. I see this as the actual ordinary world part of the hero's journey, a moment at rest in Luke's world. But just like in the films, this moment doesn't last very long at all. We quickly get this beautiful contrast that happens with the solo French horn starting things off with the run-through of section A of this melody. All right, so I see that as the first sort of timid call to our hero. We get this gentle but majestic call to Luke. But will he come along for the adventure? Next, we get this B section of the melody. This is the response and the real call to adventure for Luke. We've called out to him, but it's time now to pull things in full force and to pull us, the audience, in as well. The music swells up. That dynamic is very, very important. We have a solo French horn, nice and subtle, and then it's like it explodes over the edge of a waterfall with the strings. So let's have a listen to that second half. that contrast and how it starts to pull us in. Now if we look at the notation, we have this arcing motion. It rises up and back and then up a little higher on that French horn line. And then when the B section comes in with the strings, it soars up higher and higher. But the thing I love is it swells up to this major chord and then leaves us hanging again on a minor chord, not quite where we want it to be. It leaves us and Luke out in the open, waiting to see if we will refuse the call or not. So let's have another listen with all of that in mind.
All right, very cool. Now, to break this down a little bit more, I'd like to read from an amazing resource I found on filmmusicnotes.com. A discussion of this theme says, This theme is set in a minor key, and minor keys usually signal some kind of negative emotion, but it's not all doom and gloom in this theme. The chord ending the second idea is a more positive major fourth chord. So let me play those first two ideas that they're talking about on this piano. And we end with C major. They go on to say, normally the four chord is a minor chord in a minor key. So this change to major gives us a sense of hope within a prevailing negative context, which is precisely the situation that the rebels are in against the empire. At the end of the theme's third idea, the climax emerges over another major chord, the sixth chord. Because this chord is found naturally within the minor scale, we have not lost the sense of the negative context, but the sound of the major chord on the six strikes an overwhelmingly positive note especially when combined with a loud melodic climax, as we get in this theme. So it tends to sound like a heroic triumph of sorts. So the final chord or cadence of most of William's themes gives a sense of punctuation, a sign that we have finished with the theme altogether, or at least with that section of it. This theme is no exception, since in its fullest form, as we hear in the throne room march, it ends with a final sounding tonic chord, but in this rendition of the theme, it leads us to expect the same type of closure, but it trails off before we reach it. So I love this explanation that they give because it really shows us that sense of Luke seeking more. We can feel there's a negative context, as they say, but things explode up into that positive tone. So Luke needs more in his life, and as Joseph Campbell says, the hero is called to the adventure that he needs. But as the second step in the monomyth is refusal of the call, we can hear how the music trails off in this scene, and we can hear it as Luke looks away at the two twin sons, waiting for his decision. So let's have another full listen to this theme, and then it is time to wrap things up for this very first episode of the music of Star Wars. Let's have a listen. I really, really hope that you enjoyed that. I sure had a fun time going through all of that. And lastly, before the end of each episode, I wanted to take a minute to talk about Podcast Immersed. That is the network of shows I'm working on to share my love of music in these fantasy worlds. I started things off with the music of Middle Earth, but I also run this podcast, the music of Harry Potter, the music of Ice and Fire, and hopefully, eventually, the music of Marvel. Those are music discussion podcasts. They explore themes from these fandoms in pretty much the exact same format that we did in this episode, although obviously without the hero's journey. I also run Star Wars sound design and Middle Earth sound design, which explore how the sounds of those films were created, and then I try to recreate them myself. 
Finally, I have this really fun podcast I've been working on with my friend Katie called Books Immersed, where I create 3D immersive audiobook chapters from classic public domain books like Alice in Wonderland. So be sure to check that one out. We're having a lot of fun with that one. So all of these shows will be connected on Apple Podcasts, but you can also go to the group on Facebook, Podcast Immersed, to get all of the news of new episodes for all the different shows. We would love to have you there. And lastly, if you would like to check out all of the ridiculous amount of extra content I'll be uploading for all of these shows combined on one Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash podcast immersed. Your support would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And there are a lot of extras there for you to enjoy. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, may the force be with you. Mm-hmm.